0: We have been doing a short series um, really looking at covenant. Um, and there are places where this ties in very, very well with Christmas because uh, that's God made flesh, yes? And uh, so there is, this is a good time of year to actually do some looking at that. Today I'm going to look at Genesis uh, 15. Um, If you have a Bible, you want to flip over there, and we're going to kind of glance through there. I'm going to read a little bit of that. Uh, But we're going to talk about Abraham a little bit this morning. Next week, we're going to talk about Isaiah. Uh, And uh, obviously, we'll be talking about God and Christ in both of these. Um, When you're flipping over to Genesis 15, uh, right before there is Genesis 14. Have you got that, Steve? Genesis 14 comes before... Yeah, okay, he's got it. Okay. He will pick on me again. (laughs) What happened prior to coming into Genesis 15 is Abraham has gone out and fought battles with several different kingdoms and with 318 men, has won those battles against different armies. Abraham fought to free his nephew, Lot. Won that battle. And he got the spoils, and he is now extremely wealthy. Now, he was already wealthy, but now he's extremely wealthy. And yet, you know, When we think about Abraham, what is it we call him? There's a word that comes before that. What is it? Father Abraham. We tend to forget that he was a warrior, a champion, a leader. Yet he was not arrogant. Interestingly, though, as we come into chapter 15, we learn something there in those first couple of verses we learn he is afraid which ought to ask us what is it he is afraid of what concerns Abraham let's see yeah there's those two verses I'll let y'all read them while I'm talking what concerns Abraham is that he has no children primarily no son. Which was a really big deal in those days. Because you see, children were seen as the primary way that God gave you blessing. And not having children was the tantamount of not being blessed. And not being blessed could mean you're under a curse. So Abraham... In talking with God. You know he says. You know the victory. The wealth. All of that is is good. But it's not as important as an heir. And in between the lines. What you read is. Abraham saying. You must not care. About me. Because you see. Abraham is afraid that his estate. When he dies. Is going to go to his servant. Eleazar of Damascus. Let's pick up here in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him aside and said, look up at the heavens and count The stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he, the Lord, said to him, Abraham, so shall your offspring be. Abram, as he was known at that time, believed the Lord, and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. Anybody have any idea... Of how many stars are out there? The latest estimate I have heard is there are 300 million galaxies. Have you heard that figure kicked around? I think that's probably what they call an unscientific swag. You know, uh, you got to believe the science even when they're just swagging at it. Um, Dr. William Keel, an astronomer at the University of Alabama when talking about the Milky Way, not the universe, just the Milky Way, claims that, quote, there are about as many stars as the number of hamburgers sold by McDonald's. How many would that be? Anybody want to venture a guess? Yeah, a whole lot, Right? McDonald's claims that they sell 75 burgers a second. That would mean in a day, they sell 6,480,000 burgers. And in a year, I've already done the math for you. And in a year, that's 23,652,000,000 in a year. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think that's a lot of sons. Amen? And in fact, Father Abraham, a spiritual leader, one who pointed to the true Lord, one who's in the lineage coming down to the Savior, is still gathering sons and daughters to this day. God also promised that he would give Abraham a home, and to prove it, God made a covenant. Down at verse 8. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat. A ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he didn't cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Then down at verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had followed, fallen, a smoking firepot with a blaming torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates. The land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Pezerites, the Raphaatites, uh, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergeshites, and the Jebusites. Anybody wanna wanna fight me on those pronunciations? Okay. I know it was a little southern, but you just put up with me, right? See, God's made two promises. He's promised him a son, and he's promised him land, a place to be. Let me ask you, did God fulfill those promises? Yes or yes? yes? Yes, he did, in fact. Something going on here, this making of a covenant, these animals that were sacrificed. The Hebrew word, there in your notes, the Hebrew word that we translate as covenant is the word Brit, and it means to cut. And in Genesis 15, 9 through 11, God lays out the process for this covenant sacrifice. And Abraham follows, and then he waits. Now, I want you to note in this picture There seems to be just a slight little valley right here. You see where the red is running down through here? I want to talk about that here in just a moment. This is important even to us because it is still reflected in our practice today. So stick with me. This cutting of a covenant was not... Unique to Abraham or to the Hebrews. This was done throughout the world in different Semitic traditions of that day. There are records of Semitic people cutting covenant dating all the way back to the 18th century before Christ. There is a letter. That archaeologists have found of the Syrian king Zimri Lim, where one of his generals is telling him that he established peace between the Hanu and the Enamaris, two different people groups, by cutting a donkey between them. Okay? There are also Hittite treaties that we have records of uh, that date to the 14th through the 12th centuries B.C. The majority of those were between a king, a conquering king, and now a vassal king, the one who was, was conquered. Um, that cutting of the covenant was a seal that the conquering king, the conquered king, would serve the victor or suffer the same fate as the animal that was used for the covenant sacrifice. In other words, what Abraham is doing in Genesis 15 is not unknown to Abraham, nor is it unknown to the people of that day and time. And if you think about it, we kind of do a little bit of something like this ourselves. I can remember when I grew up, there was a saying that we used to say, usually had to do with, are you really telling me the truth? And you may know it. In fact, you may have done this when you said it. What is it? Cross my heart, hope to die. Oh, you've heard it before. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Do you realize what you're saying there? I mean, really? Now, kids just say that because it rhymes, right? And if you cross your fingers behind your back, then you you really didn't mean it, right? Do you realize that you're actually saying, I am telling you the truth, otherwise you can take my sight? Uh, we don't stop to think about it that way. But that's what you're saying. In business, in bargaining, we use some of the same language even today. We talk about cutting a deal or striking a bargain. Now, there's many different ways for covenants to be done. There's even a salt covenant. We'll talk about that one day uh, where salt was used as a token for a covenant. Um, but the highest covenant throughout time has been a blood covenant where there was blood that was spilled. Rabbi Solomon Jarkey, back in um, uh, the ninth century, 80, in, in the 1000s, said this. He said, it was a custom with those who entered into a covenant that, uh, with each other to take a heifer and cut it in two, and then the contracting parties passed between the pieces. And you saw that picture there. If they're passing between the pieces, what are they walking in? God's covenant with Abraham... Involved a heifer, yes, but it wasn't just one animal. How many animals was it? Five animals were involved in that covenant. That area between the halves is called the blood path. And it was customary for both parties to walk between the halves down the blood path while reciting the terms of the agreement. And the picture there is quite simple but quite profound in its meaning. I will keep my part of the covenant, or you can kill me like these animals. In fact, we know that ancient kings would cut their enemies in two if they violated a covenant. And oftentimes when they did that, the conquering king would walk through the blood path of his enemy's blood, signifying the end of that covenant. Genesis 15, 7 tells us that there was a torch and a fire pot that went down the blood path We see that as representing the presence of God. Let me ask you this. Did Abraham, Abram, did he walk the blood path? No, it's not recorded that he did. What we have is God going down the blood path. Dr. Dan Dyke, who was an Old Testament professor at Cincinnati Christian University, writes, he believes that this passage indicates that God walked the blood path twice. Once for himself and once for Abraham in Abraham's place. So, why would Abraham not walk the blood path. I can tell you this, the fact that he didn't does not mean anything to the, uh, to the condition of the covenant. The covenant is just as binding, even though Abraham didn't walk through there. I think maybe the writer of Hebrews gives us the best answer. Look at Hebrews 6.13. You might want to just write it down in your sheet, your, your notes there. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. How did he swear by himself? He made that agreement with himself for Abraham's benefit. following me? According to... Jewish scholars, a covenant is a mutual agreement. The two sides come together on terms. They can either work it out together or one side sets the terms and the other side is free to agree with them or not, but it's probably in their best interest to agree. But both sides have responsibilities in that covenant. Jewish rabbis have consistently taught that even though God made a covenant with himself, Abraham's descendants still had responsibilities under the covenant. In fact, write these three down. This is where you find those responsibilities. Genesis 17, all males will wear the sign of the covenant. Uh, What's the sign of the covenant? Circumcision, right. Right. You see, I'm not teaching anything new. I'm just helping you remember. And then from Exodus 20 and Leviticus 19, these two were mixed in here. Also, in that covenant, they agree to not swear falsely in God's name. They agree to keep the Sabbath, to honor one's father and mother, to not commit murder, to not steal or covet, to not lie, especially as a witness To observe rules of ritual purity, to give to the needy, not to abuse the deaf or the blind. That's Leviticus 19. To revere God, judge fairly, not hate others, not take vengeance, love your neighbor, show respect for the aged, take care of strangers, and keep all of these commandments. Read Exodus 20, Leviticus 19 you're going to see it's all it's all right there perhaps Abraham wasn't required to walk the blood path because God created Abraham God knew that Abraham could not keep covenant, therefore the covenant is not premised on Abraham's faithfulness but solely on God's faithfulness are you following me okay perhaps that's why we can't pay our own sin debt as well when you stop to think about it because we can't keep covenant either Romans 3:23, what's it say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." And what's the result of that? Romans 6:23, "The wages of sin is Why? Because we broke covenant. The other half is 623. But the gift of God is eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The one who has undisputed possession of us. Yes? Yeah. Okay, Eric, I understand all of that. and I appreciate you reminding me and all of that, but what in the world does that have to do with Christmas? Well... God's covenant with Abraham established an earthly relationship. And though it is permanent and it is perpetual, it is still bound to this world. God's desire before the beginning of time is to have a connection with every soul that he has created or ever will create it. He wants that relationship to be a family bond for him to be Abba, Father. And he wants that to be permanent. A permanent relationship with all mankind that transcends time. In space, are you following me? Does make sense? We talk in Christmas now okay we know the cross is a covenant that is cut in god 's own blood and here 's where that memory verse comes into play i'm not i 'm not going to put it on the wall, but john 1.29, John the Baptist says. Look or behold the Lamb of God that what? That takes away what? The sins of the world. Why? Why is he called the Lamb of God? What's he pointing to? He's pointing to sacrifice, yes? It is a sacrifice of covenant. Yeah, he takes away our sins. He relieves us of our guilt, but we have to come into covenant with him. You see? This isn't a sacrifice of just a religious ritual. It is covenant. See, God through Christ became the blood path as he cut covenant in his own flesh now you're likely to hear somebody today say i can't believe all of that cuz that's cosmic child abuse and yada 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 well the thing is is they're misunderstanding the nature of god cuz god himself was on that cross in flesh and blood the creator Cut covenant in his own flesh. There are two places where we come in contact with the blood of Christ, and both of them are symbolic, but yet there's something more than the symbol. One of those is through these elements, yes? The other is where? It is in the waters of baptism. Remember, Peter tells us it's not a contrite heart. It's Christ in those waters. It's us submitting and going into. Do you not realize that when you are going and you are being baptized, you are entering into Christ? Covenant. See, I think this is part of what we miss today in our modern world is we forget baptism is not just getting wet. It's not just some ancient ritual. It's where we come into covenant with God. It's where we are in the blood path. It's important because we're talking covenant here. How does that work? I got three words for you. Do you know what they are? I don't know. All I can tell you is what I understand. And in that baptism we are coming into covenant where there's responsibilities on god's side and there's responsibilities on our side to keep that covenant remember how i said and we talked about in this Walking of the blood path, there is that implied curse. You know, if I break covenant, then there's a curse there. Blood covenant always contains a curse, just in case the covenant was broken. And friends, I want to tell you something. Jesus even became the curse of the covenant. Deuteronomy 21, 23, repeated by Paul in Galatians 3, 13. I bet you heard this and you never heard covenant. Cursed is a man who what? Cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. And Jesus died for us so we can learn and we can live for him. And you see this time of Christmas that we celebrate, Christ coming to earth, that is God himself entering time and space as a baby bearing a new covenant. You see that Christmas cradle contains the covenant of the cross. Father God, we we are so joyful this time of year because we know the whole story. We know that you not only came and that you helped us to understand your way better through the words of Christ and through the word of Christ that's taught to us through his followers through the scripture. But you came to make covenant.